Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. We continue our series, God and Money. You know, stay alive savings, our brains are maybe working a little bit slow this morning, so let's start with a question. A little pondering here, get the brain going. The question is this. If you, if you, if money were a person, how would you describe your relationship? I'll give you just a moment, you know, if I would have thought about it, we could plan some background music if you ponder that for a moment. If you think about that really quick, and if you're at home, you know, you can begin having a conversation with those around you. If you're by yourself, have a conversation with yourself. Um, but you, you shout out really quick if you have an idea. I mean, how would you describe your relationship with money if money was a person? Rocky. What was that? A friend of me. A friend of me. Oh, friend of me. There we go. Distant. Distant. Yes. You think about it really quick. I mean, I, I don't know if you ever thought about money that way, to be in a relationship. But as we're exploring this series, God and Money, that's the reason we're digging into this, because we have a relationship with both God and money. And sometimes... You know, we can have a great relationship with money. Sometimes, I, like you said, you know, sometimes money is kind of like a friend to me. We love it and we hate it at the same time. Sometimes we feel like it's abandoned us and is that friend that was never there for us when we needed it. It never gives us enough. It's demanding. Maybe it's like the big brother or maybe it's like mom or dad, you know. However, you know, as you think about your relationship with, with money, you know, it's a relationship sometimes that can change as, you know, things happen in our lives. But again, as we explore this relationship with God and money, we do that because the relationship with the God of grace and money can at times be in conflict and it sometimes can complement each other. So we did that. We're going to explore again this uh, two key words that we had last week as we looked at Simon Peter. And so hopefully when you came in, you got one of these cards, or if you brought your card from last week, like, you know, I said you should do, um, you have this card. A little card here. You can put that one up in the next slide. Um, you know, willing or able, and you were to, you know, circle on there where you thought you were at, you know. You don't have to share that with me, um, but just kind of just to ponder and think. So really quick, let's review those two words, give a definition to them. Willing. So what is willing? Willing says you want to do something or you are ready to do something. Think about like this morning. How many of you were wanting to get out of bed this morning? It's Sunday morning. We're going to come to church. This Holy Savior, the pastor, just going to give a sermon. Is ah, I'm going to out of bed. Maybe not. But, or maybe it's like, yeah, I want to go. But that kind of gets us to the next one, which is able. Able says you have the power, skill, or resource to do something. And you were like... I don't know, steal life savings. I lost an hour of sleep. Maybe I just don't have the power, the resource to do it. I'm like, oh, I do. I can dig in. I'll be there. So willing and able as we explore this relationship with God and money. And think about this, this relationship we have with God and money. You know, the, the, in, the, in the scriptures, you know, there is really a lot of talk about money. Because, to be honest, a lot of us have sometimes a very conflicted relationship with money. At times, you know, we don't usually see money as our dearest friend, but often, I think the term you gave, it's often, it's a friend to me. It's something that sometimes maybe hounds us, it chases us, or the times we feel like it's always abandoning us, it's always so far away. 
And it really does get modeled up in our lives and in relationship with God. And that's why we hear Jesus speaking in, in these words here from Luke, you know, this relationship about God and, and money. And Jesus spoke a lot about money because he understood the dynamic of this relationship of God and money. So let's read these words together here, part of the gospel, as we heard just a few minutes earlier. We read together, two slides here. But God said to him, you fool, I will demand your life from you tonight. Now who will get what you accumulated? That's how it is when a person has material riches, but is not rich in his relationship with God. I just thought that was a great text to kind of focus in on. But it needs a little context, right? What's going on here? What's happening at this moment when Jesus says these words, you know, you know, about God and money? Well, you know, we step in and Jesus is gathered with people again. They're, they're listening to him teach. And then suddenly this guy shows up and like, teacher, 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 tell my brother to give me my share. I don't know. How many of you have siblings? How many of you ever went to your parents and they were like, this is not fair. You know, he's got more than I have. She has a bigger slice than I have. Or if you have kids, you've ever heard that? Or if you're a teacher and you've ever heard that? And this guy is upset about his inheritance. He doesn't think things are right. He wants his share, whatever his share is. And, 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 and as he's expressing this, really what he's expressing is his relationship with money. And how he sees his relationship with his family through his relationship with money, which some of you have dealt with that before when it comes to things like inheritance. And it wasn't unusual for someone to come and ask a rabbi, a teacher, for some advice or even to make a judgment on some kind of dispute like this because, well, they were considered somebody who had wisdom. I mean, you wouldn't come and listen to a person teach if you didn't think they had some wisdom to share. And so this guy came to Jesus because, you know, maybe he'd heard him speak before. Maybe he just heard about Jesus. But he comes and like, I want you to settle this dispute. Tell my brother to give me my share. Now, we don't know exactly where this guy lines up in the whole, you know, lineup of brothers. Was he, was he the baby brother, you know? Was he one of the guys in the middle somewhere? Was he the older brother? In context would kind of suggest he probably wasn't the oldest brother. Because the older brother gets, like, the chunk of the inheritance. And even for some of us in our tradition today, many times, you know, the older brother or sibling maybe gets a little bit more, has a little more responsibility, so this guy's probably somewhere in the middle or at the very end, the youngest of them. And it's like, I want my share. And then Jesus, you know, says, like, who put me to be judged for you? And then he tells them a parable, a story. Jesus loved to tell stories. And so he tells a story of a guy who has a bumper crop. Things are going great for him. And he begins thinking to himself. That's why I told you, those of you that are watching live stream, if you want to talk to yourself, it's okay. This guy's talking to himself. He's having a conversation with himself. Do you ever have a conversation with yourself? Some of you are saying, yeah. Some of you are like, no. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, we're having a conversation right now with myself. You know, I do that, especially when, like, there's nobody here, you know, and I'm walking down the hallways talking to myself. Just, I'm just honest, I am. And, and, you know, I have this conversation with myself, thinking out loud sometimes, sometimes talking to God like he's there, and that's even better yet. But this guy's having this conversation with himself about how well things are going. He's like, all right, what should I do here? You know, this has been so good. Um, 
My crops have really just been phenomenal. And my barns, they're old. I don't, I, 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 they're, they're old and they're not going to hold everything. And so I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to tear everything down, build bigger barns so you can hold more stuff. And then he's like, then I'll sit back and I'll enjoy. You know, now I'm good. And, and, and what he's revealing here is his relationship with money. Of course, in the midst of his conversation with himself, God interrupts that conversation. I don't know about you, but if God interrupts your conversation, you're going to probably listen. God's like, you fool. You have all these plans that, you know what, you, you think you have it all under control, but tonight you're going to die. And then what's going to happen with everything that you have? And then Jesus, again, talks about this relationship with money. You know, and, and one thing to know is that he doesn't say money is evil. Sometimes we hear that money is evil. Is money evil? No. Elsewhere in Scripture says the, mon- the love of money is evil. And Jesus here says, you know, greed. But money is a useful tool. It's a useful resource for us. It's something that governs our lives in many ways. And as we think about the relationship we have, and sometimes maybe that's a relationship from being a friend enemy to being like mom or dad, depending on what's going on in our lives. But there are three things I think money does provide. And we see this, I think, in the attitude of the guy that comes and asks Jesus to become the judge between him and his brother to the story that Jesus tells of this guy who has a bumper crop. The first thing that money provides is security. There's a sense of security. How do you define security here? By the way, if you're an English major, this, this is a double negative, so just, just deal with it. It's just there. Security is I'm not going to not have enough. Does that make sense? See? Who needs the English skills? I'm, I'm not going to not have enough. You know, there's a sense of security. And... Boy, right now, for a lot of us, the way that prices have gone up, you know, that there's a lot of us that may feel like that. I'm going to not not have enough. I want to make sure that I have enough. And so we, we try to do additional things, little things, so we can make sure we have enough. Sometimes we, you know, we clip coupons and, we, and we, we scrimp and we save every way we can. We put money away to hopefully not not have enough when we retire. You know, I'm kind of at that point in life where I have enough years behind me and enough years still ahead of me, but enough that I'm starting to say, that's a lot closer than it used to be. And my brothers and I, we're all about the same age, have had those conversations and start sharing things with each other. Like, how do we make sure that we are not not having enough when it comes to retire? I'm going to not not have enough. There's a sense of security. And for a lot of us, that relationship that we have with money can be anxiety unless we can get a sense that we are secure. And everyone's idea of what it means to be secure financially is different. But most of us would at least like to provide for our basic needs of ourselves, our family, to have a roof over our head, food on the table, and not have the debt collectors knocking at the door. The other thing money that provides is happiness. Money provides happiness. How do we define happiness? No double negatives here. I have the ability to string together pleasurable experiences and stuff. So in other words, you know, money can bring us a moment of happiness. You know, the other day, I had a moment of happiness 
is I went through and I said, Vente, no, just plain coffee. Thank you. You know, and I drank a cup of coffee from Starbucks. It was just a moment of happiness. It's a little moment of happiness, but if I didn't have the money, guess what I would not have bought? Coffee. And then I'd have been sad. But you have those moments to bring together those moments of happiness. But you string together moments of happiness. Also, you know, there have to be giant ones, you know, going on a date. As a young couple going on a date with my wife, you know, Carly and I would go on a date. And going somewhere like maybe McDonald's, well, it could be a great date. Nothing fancy, but we were together and we had a moment together. Now, as, as um, actually, for those who know Nathan, this is, his dad gave me this phrase. Um, our Nathan, our youth director, said, isn't it nice to be at a point where not, as, as you become empty nesters, you're not necessarily eating ch- cheap hot dogs and mac and cheese? And I said, yeah. Not that we're just flowing, but it's a little bit different. But, you know, we can go somewhere that may be a little bit nicer for a date. You know, what are those things that bring us happiness? Things that, we, you know, we can buy. And again, we all have a different you know, definition, what that happiness is. But, I mean, do you use your money to make little happy things happen in your life? Experiences? Stuff? Yeah. I mean, some of you, the, the car that you drove in, you know, is maybe not the car that you needed, but it's the car that brings you a sense of happiness. Security, happiness, and the third thing money provides is fulfillment. Fulfillment. I have proven, demonstrated, or achieved success. For a lot of us, you know, we tend to measure ourselves often against someone else that I am successful. I am fulfilled because I made it to this point. Whatever this point is, I got a promotion. I'm doing better than you're doing. I have at this point financially in my life. And again, everyone defines that a little bit differently, but often we get a sense of fulfillment in our identity from, you know, the money that we have, little or a lot. Security, happiness, and fulfillment. And as we we look at this parable that Jesus tells, we see this in this guy. There's a sense of security he has in all that he has, and a sense of happiness. Is he not happy? Yeah, he's happy and he's excited. So happy and excited that he's going to build some more. And he's got a sense of security. He's going to build some more and, you know, fill his crops or his barns with more stuff and have more money. He's going to sell it. And a sense of fulfillment. Because he looks at his life and says, now I can sit back and relax. I've had such a bumper crop that I can sell this and I don't have to worry anymore. Of course, there's a couple flaws that are often in the relationship with money. There wasn't his relationship, and often, I think, in our relationship with money, because it's just very human. The first flaw, the first money flaw is this. All these things are really good, but are not what? Lasting. Lasting. They don't last. You think about, again, you know, that car that, like, you know, I, I've not bought the car. I really like to get a Mustang. Not just a Mustang, like, like a Cobra Mustang. Yeah. Now, now you're talking, the price has gone up a little bit more, you know. You know, that, that would be happiness. But you know what? That Mustang will not what? It will not last. Especially with, you know, in Nebraska, with all the stuff they put on the roads in the wintertime and it rusted out eventually. 
they don't last. I mean, you can buy nice clothes, but eventually what? They don't last. You know, we buy a home, and, and we can take care of a home, but eventually it doesn't last. We can do things to take care of ourselves, but eventually our bodies don't want. They don't last. All these things are really good. They can be really good, but they don't last. The second money flaw is this. All these things are really good, but we do not have control. This guy who built his barns and put his crop in the barns had ultimately no control over his life. This guy says, look, you had all these plans. You were, your relationship with money was shaping your relationship with me. And ultimately, that relationship with money, you have no control over. I think about, you know, in California, the bank that was folded up. And how much many folks thought they had control of all of this. And then suddenly, it's lost control. It's that sense that sometimes we feel like when money is just kind of falling through our fingers, we can't grab a hold of it. Ultimately, we don't have control. Again, money can be a good thing. And we can have a good relationship with money, but often we don't. And that's often why many of us struggle as Americans with, with debt or living paycheck to paycheck or buying things and regretting that we bought something we shouldn't have bought and now we don't have money for something that we need to have. Or struggling and being angry with a, a co-worker, or a friend, a neighbor, a sibling who maybe has more than we have and we're jealous. But what money can't provide, God does provide. And again, this is what Jesus is getting to when he's talking about greed and this relationship with God. Because our relationship with God, to the God of grace and money, can be in conflict, but they can also be complementary. So what does this mean to live in this relationship with God? God's peace, and this is what God offers us, is peace rather than security. God's peace is greater than any security money can buy. Take a look here at Philippians 4. Paul writes about it this way. God's peace, which, and read this with me, then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. I mean, money can be up and down. I don't know if you've ever been to a time when you had little to nothing. A lot of us started out that way, getting out of college, maybe as a young couple, you know, going to college and having little to nothing. The moments when there was nothing left in the bank account. There can be that sense of anxiety. But God's peace is a peace that he offers through Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for us. It's a peace that's beyond anything we can understand, anything we can grab a hold of, because it's not a peace that's dependent on what we have. It's not a peace that's dependent on anything from us. It's a peace that comes in knowing that we have a God who is with us and a God who loves us. So God's peace is greater than any thing security can buy, and God's joy is greater than any happiness money can buy. So there's a little difference between joy and happiness. Because again, happiness isn't a thing, an event, it's momentary, and it's fleeting. But joy is something that lasts, it continues, it's ongoing. And again, it's not dependent on us and what we have. It relies on God. Let's take a look here from Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalmist writes, and let's read this together. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. 
So you show me the way of life. You know, you show me your paths. Grant to me the joy of your presence, the joy of being with the Lord, of knowing that he is with us, that he's always with us as he promises. That like, you may feel like money sometimes is abandoned us. Our God never will. And ultimately, we'll be with him forever. It's a promise guaranteed in our living Savior, Jesus. God's love is also greater than any fulfillment money can buy. Because again, think about it. If fulfillment ultimately is about a sense of identity, then we get our true identity from the love that God has for us, the love that he has for you. The Apostle John writes about this in his letter to the church, 1 John 3. Let's read this together. Consider this. The Father has given us his love. He loves us so much that we're actually called God's dear children. God loves you so much that you are what? His children, his dear child. That is ultimately our identity, a child of God, one whom God loves so much that he gave his son. While it's easy for us to get tied up into a sense of, you know, who we are by what we have, how big our house is, how new our cars are. I'm oh, sorry, Mustang, you really shouldn't find my identity in you. We find our identity in the love that God has for us in Jesus, that we are his. You are his child. All right, really quick, pull out this card again. You know, and again, if you've got a pencil or pen, you can do this, circle it. If not, you can circle it in your mind. But this card here, willing and able. Here's what you take it just moments here again and just kind of assess yourself. When you think about the resources that God has given you, you think about your relationship with the God of grace and money, how willing and able are you to share? And you do that, you know, would you put yourself in the same spot that you were last week? Have you maybe rethought this a little bit as you think about your relationship with the God of grace and money? Again, the reason to do this is just to give you that opportunity, again, to think and ponder your thoughts about money in relationship to your relationship with God. We do that because, you know, we're here at Holy Savior, we're all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. You know, we're going to give you a, a challenge to kind of think about as you go into this new week and think about this relationally. And the challenge is this. What step can you take this week to remind yourself of God's peace, joy, and love? What step can you take to remind yourself of God's peace, joy, and love? And maybe it's just writing those three words somewhere where you'll see them. Put them on a sticky note. You know, get one of those erasable things you can write on your mirror. Maybe you'll go through and, and you'll look in the Bible and you'll find, you know, those words. Where, where does it talk about God's peace besides in Philippians? Where else does it talk about God's love besides 1 John? And to find that relationship with God who offers you Peace, joy, and love in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your peace, your joy, and love. Lord, help us as just continue to grow as, as your dear child. Lord, if we're honest, sometimes our relationship with money, well, it's a lot like the ones that you know, we heard in the gospel lesson today. Lord, we pray that it is our relationship with you that continues to shape our relationship with our money,
and with everything else that's a part of our lives, that we are both willing and able to share and to serve you and one another and all the gifts and all the resources that you've given to us, and that we live and rest in your peace, your joy, and love. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.